Greetings, Fringe family. Welcome back to The Bird. I'm Calibri, aka The Bird. And the Bee, live, coming at you from the Love Shack. Welcome one, welcome all. Mm. We have, as you saw in our last video, we survived the little Texas ice storm that we had. Yeah, I slept in the living room in front of the box stove for about four nights. All of us iced in together. It's a little gorgeous, intense, cold. Texas snow. Yeah. Snow, the cold's really not that bad. It's just, it's just everything, like it's raining ice and then it's just, or it'll rain and then it just turns into ice and it's just very treacherous, but... So yeah, a lot of dude. I read I read two books while we were while we were stuck inside. Nobody was working. Yes, we read a lot. I, I read, read a lot too. I read um, the Warrior Ethos by Stephen Pressfield, and then the Psychic Power of Animals. Learned a lot. New found respect for it was written in the sixties and seventies. Seventies, I think. So I know there's way more research, but yeah, just I have way found way more found respect for animals and their intelligence, and then just things beyond our five senses what we call supernatural which is just very natural as it turns out mm -hmm. it's very I don't natural i want to dive right into all that but i would love that i love the theme of this though because you were reading this book and because you shared this story that hopefully you're about to share um i delved back into tapping into psychic ability and extrasensorial ability and really creating a clear channel with that again, something that I had kind of uh, segued, drifted away from for a while. So thank you, reconnecting. It, I've been following the breadcrumbs, and that was one of the major breadcrumbs was you initiating that. Yeah, that's like the big takeaway is how just like i said just how natural it is and how you know like we did a little experiment just i guess i'll start off with this, this wasn't in the book but it, it inspired us because there's this clairvoyant terrier i want to talk about but <laughs> but it just got us experimenting on ourselves and we did this like a, i don't know maybe it was like a year ago but where yeah. we would uh the girl we had a deck of cards and the girls were like all right let's just guess what the first one and I, the first time i did it i just closed my eyes i'm like because it's the really the trick is that you're not thinking you're not like trying to logic I was just close my eyes. I'm like, what do I see? That I remember it was dark, and I kind of saw some like red, red little shapes, and they kind of turned into diamonds. And there were so, and then I saw six of two rows of three. So I was like, six of diamonds. And then they flipped the card over. They're like, oh my god! And it was the first try. It was a six of diamonds. And then, then uh, and then we kept doing it. I remember I was like, then afterwards I'd be kind of like one card behind. It'd be like similar. There was one time I was like, I think the third time I got, I got it right, but I was like, I guessed it. They flipped a card, it was wrong, and then the next one was that one. But Right, so using my intuition, uh, no, just the knowing and seeing how, well, we're both kind of future seers. We both are kind of visionaries in our own rights, especially as Aquarius and Sagittarius. And so what I was noticing was the pattern, and this was last year as well, and we play a lot of psychic games together, but I was noticing, especially with the cards with B, is that, you would see uh, either the suit or the number of the following card. It wasn't the card, uh, the initial card, but the next card he would get. So I was noticing that, yeah, your your future vision is really kind of attuned right now. 
more than anything. And then the eldest, she did it the other day, and she, she first try, she did it, got it, nailed it. Suit and, then, and number. And then the other time, she was like, she was, she was guessing. She was like, or she was using logic. She was like, okay, we haven't really pulled a couple spades, so spade, you know. Right, she was the playing whole, the numbers, yeah, the, but the percentages. Whole, and that's what I learned in this book is just how. Uh, well, they're talking about how animals t communicate like this. There's like there's like these animal whispers, but how they could obviously because animals don't use our vocabulary or our language, so they kind of like right. send images. Although in cer certain cases, there like there's these two like animal linguists, I guess, but they they just have these like innate. I, I guess I think they were saying everybody had it, but these innate abilities to just go up to animals and then just hear what they're they like just tell them they just listen. Like one was mm -hmm. there was a. A horse that like there's all these vets looking at it had like a, a lame back leg they called it and like all these doctors couldn't figure it out and then the guy went up to they called him in and they he you know the horse spoke to him without words and then he said the horse told him oh i backed into a, a board that was sticking out and there's a splinter in my spine and then sure enough that he told the doctors that and the doctors looked and yeah there was a splinter in his spine and that was like what was affecting him and all kinds of one there's one lady she brought this she had a party of like like 16 people brought their pets and all, like they all waited in their car one by one and like they would just come the animals would come in he you know we talked to him and like one was like oh uh sometimes the dog i forget what kind of dog it was but the dog gets set her favorite spot was like under the sink in a bathroom and then it get upset when this is what everything he was telling them and the owners would later confirm and he was like the dog was like and the girl the a girl go, the little girl goes in there and cries under the sink and shuts the door so i can't go in there and i get sad when i can't go in there and she said and and then of course he told the owners that and she was like yeah that happened that exactly that's exactly what happens and so confirmations yeah and he, he all kinds of stuff i, I can't even mm -hmm. remember all of them but yeah it, it's pretty wild right well it's it's so natural, though, like you were speaking to, especially ushering in this new energy of 2023 and noticing and knowing that come March, there's this big boom of energy on the horizon as far as people tapping into their own intuitive skills and extra powers, so to speak some things that we would call supernatural or psychic ability and and people are tuning to those things more and There's more. There's a boom of that, is that what you said? Yeah, energetically. It's in it's in a lot of the readings right now. But I wanted to get to uh Missy Yodago. Well first I I wanted to speak on the these other ones about just just speaking on intelligence, about how we have this view of what intelligence is and like we come up we come up with these tests and if animals can't do it then they're like dumb or smart but like one it was talking about these elephants that would they would stick mud and the, these bells around their neck so people would hear them mm -hmm. and they'd stick mud at them to make the bell stop ringing and then they would go and break into the banana fields at night so they can just <laughs> no one would detect them they would just i mean that's pretty smart i love this they're aware of that and yeah. the sound and everything and then one was talking about these dolphins that they, it was just talking about observing them hunt. Like, they would chase an eel into a hole, and the eel would go into a hole, and then another dolphin would go and grab a fish that had, like, a poison sting and, like, shove them in the hole and then force the eel out, and then, they, you know, one would be ready for the eel on the other side. And just, you know, smart stuff. And, oh, one, I wanted to mention that one thing about that animal guy because he was talking about how the animals don't use our words, and he was talking about how one dog said uh, he loved chasing, quote, stinking cats. <laughs> And then the guy was, he's like stinking cats, and like oh that's obviously a skunk. And then the owner, like, yeah, he's like he loves chasing skunks. And then, but just showing that they don't use our our words. But 
but yeah, this Missy dog, Missy the clairvoyant, clairvoyant terrier is like my new favorite animal. I'm like yes. so blown away by this dog. I, I took I took so many notes on it, but she uh she was I think she was in the 60s, and she was on the, like the radio and like the on local TV there. I tried to find some clips, but I couldn't. But they were talking about like she would call like uh, okay, well first she had like an unusual birth. Like she had like the uh the, the litter was born. And then the mom was had to like was having issues, and then they, she had to go into like surgery because she had like this lump in her chest, and it turned out that the dog there was like a, a puppy that was like stuck way up in there, and they had to get her out in her rib cage. Yeah, like high, yeah, high up in there, and then I, which I didn't even know that was a thing. Like, it, a cat like that isn't like the uterus. I don't know how it goes beyond it, but mm-hmm. but yeah, and then, and then they were talking about so the dog had like special care from it when it was young, and then it so it, it was never even around those its brothers and sisters, and then this one lady took care of her, and. She and she was always more fond of people than than dogs, and she said she this how at first her first uh, clairvoyant ability started was they were just she was just walking the dog Missy, and then you know there's like a mom coming toward them with a little baby in the stroller and the the owner was talking to the baby and the mom and she's like oh how old are you and like the the kid was shy and then the mom was like say three to the baby and then Missy the dog barked three times and she was like I'm like oh that's what a coincidence that's pretty weird and then. And then all then all and that was like the first kind of sign and all this other stuff happened where she uh I don't remember the, the exact sequence, but you know, she she knew what time it was. Like, she, she would bark, they figure out how to communicate. Like she would bark three times for yes, two for no. Like they would here, let me pull up my notes because I don't want to miss these. I had a cat when I was little named Lefty. She was my mom's favorite cat, white. She had the front um right leg missing. So she walked on her left leg, and she had an identical kitten that was stuck up in her rib cage, pretty Ooh, much the I same way. She had abilities. Okay, so it says uh, this is what I took down. Um, she could like you know you'd ho- simple stuff starting out. You'd hold up your fingers. She'd bark. How many fingers you're holding up? And then if you do like, say you did five, and then you did like another one, like seven, like two, and then she would bark seven. So she could do math. And they said she could even do it, speak words in different languages, but. She, you said uh, five different languages, correct? Four, yeah, and they four? and they, they only tested for four of them. But and the let's see, she this blew my mind. She they said she could tell the difference between words, like like uh, what are they called, onomatopoeias? Like right. they would they would I don't I don't remember how they did the spelling test, but I, I think they said is this Mary? Like they would say the word Mary as in a name, M A R Y, and then. Yeah, she, oh, that's what it was. She would just bark the amount of words. Like, how many letters are in Mary, as in her name? There's four. And like, how many words are in Mary, as in Merry Christmas? And then there's those five. And then what about when people are getting married? And she, she could just knew the difference of those. So that's that's amazing. And uh, she she just, and she would go she, meet strangers, and then she could just, get, she knew their address. Their, she, for numbers, like, say, like our, say your number is, like, 450, you know, uh, Oak Lane. Like she would bark four times, pause, bark five, and then zero is a bad example. I don't, I don't know how she did zero, but and then like just new social people's social security numbers, like people's, uh, uh, like she would call a and obviously people are obviously people are skeptical, and so like they were at this one vet, and they're like, uh, there's no way, and then so he's like, what's something that you would you don't know, like you never give anybody information, and uh, so they're like, oh, I, I never give anyone my private home phone number. And then they asked the dog, "What's his phone number?" And then she just barked it correctly, and the dog was <laughs> the doctor was like, "Oh my, this is like crazy!" And 
There's even letters from like senators that were talking about how he, he she did the same thing. Right, and, the confirmation she guessed his social security number. Yeah, and and one is at a party she could tell how many coins were in a purse, like how many beans were in a bag, and like people didn't know, but they'd count them out afterwards. Oh, I didn't know but that part. and then so the, she did party tricks. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this was the this is what got us back on the card thing. Was like there was one where they were at a at a party. And they had a deck of cards, and of course, the dog couldn't see it, but nobody, and people couldn't even see it. They'd pick a card, and then she would get, say, like, she would bark the amount that are on the card. The, like, it was seven of clubs, and then they did some type of, they would say, is it a club? Is it a spade? And she'd be quiet, and then she'd bark till you know, it was the right one. But she did that for the whole deck. Like, the whole, got every single deck card right on the deck, and it was, like, just mind-boggling. Like, how, for people to be yeah. like, oh, coincidence, or just tricks, but the lady said she never trained them. She did shit to strangers. She guessed, and she was she could predict the future. Like she guessed presidential election, like more like predicted presidential elections. She specifically predicted the day the New York transit strike would end in like the seventies. Didn't she predict the World Series as well? That's next. I'm surprised they didn't use her for. Gambling. I know. I'm like, dude, go play the lottery, <laughs> dude. I'm like, put this dog to work. But yeah, said so she predicted nine months in advance the day the World Series would end and the score. Wow. She predicted a radio her radio host baby birthday. Oh, this one's crazy. She she this woman had two stillborn babies, and then so the, she was worried about if she was going to have the baby. So the they talked to the dog, and she's like, "Am I is the ba-, you know in, in nine months it was going to be October?" And she's like, "Is the baby going to be born in October?" And she barked no, and so the lady got all worried, and then and then uh, so she after talking, they said that she told her it was going to be born in September on the twenty eighth. And then she corrected the, the the she got the date right and the birth and the sex right, which is and the weight, right the weight, the yeah. Baby. And it was a preemie too, so it was like seven pounds. But that's extraordinary, just the numbers. So, oh, oh, she and this one is she predicted the cost to the dollar of the construction of a large educational building. <laughs> I'm like, okay, she. She predicted one person's death, but the owner, the guy was dying, but the owner didn't like doing that, and the, the guy would just kept pressing her, and and she she predicted like two twenty five months or something, and then you know followed up, and that was accurate. And then um, that's a bold question. And it got weird because in the, the and you can bring this up to this other video that we saw more recently, but she was mm-hmm. they were talking about how like the it was kind of weird because like the dog was kind of almost like more human than a dog like a small child in a dog's body like she yes. said she would uh she would make a fuss uh when they go shopping when there's something she wanted she loved pink things and they say dogs can't really see pink and but for some but she loved pink but stuff she could. and um and so she would bark at something and then the she said she shoplifted two times like she put two things in the owner's bag when she didn't wasn't looking and then the dog denied it afterwards she's like no i didn't put that in there and that sounds like the eldest <laughs> she's like <laughs> she oh yeah then, yeah and it says uh um, when visitors came, she would come over. She would bring her piggy bank out and paw, and put it in front of them and paw at the coin hole, and then uh, for, and it fit dimes in there and like because she would use the dimes to buy ice cream from this guy down the street, and uh and she said if you put anything else in there, she would just take the the coin the piggy bank and run, but and then she said she ate the ice cream like a like she put it in her paws like to hold it in her paws and lick it. She said if you put the ice cream in. In her dog pan, she she wouldn't touch it. She's like, no, nope, that's I'm not a not a freaking dog. And then, oh yeah, this one just going back to the letter from a congressman. He said she guessed it, knew his social security number, street address, and phone number. And then uh, last thing about her I have is uh, she predicted her own death. 
like she because like she knew the time like she could get predict the time and then uh she so the owner would ask her what time it was and then but she kept saying 8 p.m she kept barking eight and then the owner was like that's weird and then she did it like seven times that day and then at 8 p.m she like they said she like choked on a piece of food and died and then it was a uh, and then they said they went into her room, <laughs> the clock in her room. Like, it was like a little toy clock said yeah, 8, 8 p.m. on there. For. Like, that's right. a little, uh, little right. uh, premonition there. But, yeah, it's just amazing. Like, there's just so much stuff for people to be, like, you know, rational thinking. Like, A leads to B. Like, co- correlation kind of thing. Like, like, like how, do you, how do you explain that? Just that there's other, there's, like, non yes. non-linear kind of thinking and seeing. So, didn't she, she had... She liked to wear pink. She liked to wear little girls' clothing, pink too. Pajamas. She had pink pajamas, a pink dress, things like that. So this got me thinking about reincarnation and the way that she was born. And under such distress, I feel like the soul entered uh, and you know, maybe didn't get white. And uh, possibly the antenna, the receiving antenna was, you know, in the brain maybe wired a certain way. There's all these, these factors that, and variables get, that could play into that that would create that certain ability, right? Pressure on the brain in the rib cage or... Oh, yeah. She had, like, epilepsy. She had blue eyes, right? She had blue eyes. It said cobalt blue eyes, and, like, she was looked... I mean, she was smaller, but she looked different than other terriers that like her, but, yeah, it was, was like, a weird, like, stark blue. She also used to chant, like, a prayer when she got out of her bed. Yeah, that one, it was a lot... I know, that one is not very, like, premonition-y, but in terms of, like, reincarnation stuff, yeah, I was saying, like, it would... I don't know how you pronounce it, what the author was going for, but it said A-U-M, A-U-M, A-U, like, um, 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 and, you know, you know, like, an alpha, right. like, and she would, like, stretch right. and do these, make those sounds, and, the, you know, the author is, like, correlating that to, like, you know, like, Hindu type of stretching, like, yoga, essentially, but. Yes, and this is in the 60s and 70s, and so what I was thinking, and, and initially, my first thought was, I'd like to look up the birth or death records within a couple of months from whenever the dog was born to see if there were any children with those sort of, you know, good at math, loved pink, loved to eat only ice cream, uh, was possibly from an Indian or sort of like um, Hindu background, and then see and see if there was anything cross-checking that, if there was anything correlating to to that, because I really feel like she was a reincarnate. Um. I, I was. I wanted. To, I'll, I'll go more into it. But there's this guy. Mm-hmm. He died in 2007. It said, but Dr. Ian Stevenson, and he always studied was reincarnation, and he was talking about these people who, specifically birthmarks and like deformities and stuff. But he was talking about. Um, I'm trying to remember the one example. Like you know, it was like a kid who had like a fate. Like half his face was deformed, and the mm-hmm. kid said he'd always have dreams. Like especially when he was younger, about getting like a shotgun. Bl- his past life of getting like a shotgun blast in half of his face. And like a right. kid, uh, birth, and I, I remember thinking that come this on my own. Like I have a birthmark right here, <laughs> and then a, a slight thing on the inside. And he's talking about how that, like, cor- you know, I'm like, did I get like? I remember thinking like, I think I got shot as a, as ironic as that. I like to hunt now, but I think I got shot in the leg, and like it was like a <laughs> thing. And he, but he was talking about all these other things yeah. like that. But one one specific thing was this. Uh, There's this girl in Sri Lanka. It said a uh, a toddler one day overheard her mother mentioning the name of an obscure town, Kataragama that the girl had never been to. The girl informed the mother that she had drowned there when her dumb, mentally challenged brother pushed her in the river, that she had a bald father named Herath, who sold flowers in a market near the Buddhist stupa, 
that she lived in a house that had a glass window in the roof, a skylight, dogs in the backyard that were tied up and fed meat, and the house was next to our, next door to a big Hindu temple, outside of which people smashed coconuts on the ground. Stevenson was was uh, able to confirm later that there was indeed a flower vendor in Kataragama who ran a small stall near Buddha Stupa yeah. whose two-year-old daughter had drowned in the river while the girl played with her mentally challenged brother. The man lived in a house where the neighbors threw meat to the dogs tied up in their backyard, and it was adjacent to the main temple where the devotees practiced their religious religious ritual of smashing coconuts on the ground. The little girl did get a few items wrong, however. For instance, the dead girl's dad wasn't bald, but her grandfather and uncle were. His name wasn't Harath. That was the name, rather, of the dead girl's cousin. Otherwise, everything else was you know, pretty accurate. And but he, that makes it all the more believable because memory isn't incredibly accurate that way, right? We get yeah, the fact that it is a little... wires crossed, it's a little askewed. Yeah. It actually makes it that much more... Because if it was exactly right, yeah. yeah, it'd be a little more like, eh, I don't know, yeah. but... And he, he, there's th- he, thousands of stuff he did like that. And he and he kind of... Not that he was kind of going to prove, disprove stuff, but he'd go mm-hmm. into it to try to... You know, he's like looking at the stuff that isn't right, but like th- hundreds of thousands <laughs> of cases of stuff like this. So the... Speaking to this... The little one, um, she when she she started walking incredibly early, talking incredibly early. She wanted to do everything on her own so fast, so quickly. As an infant, she stopped breastfeeding at a year old. She unlatched, and and she said, "I'm done." <laughs> started walking, started talking, and our first conversation, our first true conversation we ever had was about her telling me that she needed to go back to China that she was royalty from China, and that's where she was from, and she Damn could... Sure acted like it. <laughs> and that she needed to go back, and um, that she appreciated being born, but that she just, she needed to go home. And she would, I, I have all these details written down in a journal from then that I still, I need to find. They're, they're buried somewhere in a keepsake uh, box, but... And now she's ironically huge into Asian <laughs> culture. Like <laughs> huge into Asian culture, she's a t- she's heading on her way to becoming a Taekwondo master in in I'm sure a year or so. She's just incredibly dedicated. Uh, she just started leadership and everything. But she just she she draws and creates animes and and does uh, Taekwondo. Does Taekwondo, but when she was a baby, uh, she just had all these attachments to China. She knew exactly where China was. I hadn't taught her anything about China yet. She, I, it was, I mean, I, I'm, uh, I'm just amazed by her all the time, but still speaking to reincarnation. Have you ever heard of Matthias de Stefano? Mm-mm. So he claims that he can remember all of his past lives and that he's tapped into all the memory of the multiple multiple all of them since his fir- first incarnation and that he he i was watching him on aubrey marcus podcast he's on there if you guys want to want to tap into that go go down that rabbit hole he's a very interesting person um but i think <laughs> listen up french fel- family i think b was probably imprisoned and eaten by rats or mice <laughs> North Korea, <laughs> and I think it's it's imprinted in his DNA uh, because we think his grandmother might have been North Korean. Actually, we can't get proof of that, but uh, it reminded me of this temple called uh, Karnimata Temple 
It's known as Kabas, or the, the little children they call the rats, Kabas. Because it's in, India, right? it's in India, it's in uh, uh, Deshnuk, India. Forgive me, correct me, Roshni, if I'm pronouncing any of this incorrectly. Um, but what they give the there's thousands and thousands of rats in this temple, and they Ugh. go to worship the rats because they believe that they're reincarnates of lost, uh, well, of, of dead children or their deceased children, but namely more of a certain family let me guess they're so, starving and they don't eat them our <laughs> rat tastes pretty good well they don't eat them but what they do is at the end of the day before the temple closes people certain more dedicated people i would say they will drink the milk from the bowls that the rats have been feeding from um turds and all so I thought you would really appreciate that because he has he has a definite well, aversion to rodents. Yeah, I've heard that Yomi Park that I I think she's got some type of PR push behind her, but she, you know that North Korean defector lady that she was talking about they oh, like yeah. they would they would eat, they, they would eat rats and they would uh she was I'm, it's so vague since I remember listening to her, but she was talking about being in like in a hospital or some kind of state some place where you know she'd see people dying and the rats would come and eat their eyes and then you know, eat the people and the people would eat the rats because they, you know, because <laughs> they, they, you know, they're fucking hungry. So it's like. Meets meat, man. Uh, can I read this little according yeah. to legend? So according to the legend, the rat temple near Bacanir dates back to the 1400s when Karne Mata, an incarnation of the god Durga, asked the death god Yoma to reincarnate the son of a grieving storyteller. When death refused to help, Karnemata promised that all male storytellers, members of the Karan or Charan caste, would be reincarnated as rats in her temple. When they die as rats, they are once more reincarnated as members of the Dapavats family, and Karnemata's descendants are known. While the origins of rat worship in India go back to the 15th century, the current temple, with its intricate marble panels and solid silver carvings, was built in the early 1900s to honor Karne Mata and her furry reincarnated devotees. The temple has around 20,000 rats in residence, where they are fed by the members of the extended Dapavats family. There are 513 Dapavats families and devotees to Karne Mata, though most of the temple devotees work at the temple in shifts based on the lunar cycle. Some families live in the temple permanently taking care of the rats and sweeping the floor of excrement and food crumbs. The rats, known as kabas, or little children, are fed grains, milk, and coconut shells from the large metal bowls. Uh, water the rats drink is considered holy, and eating the rats' leftovers is said to bring good fortune to those making a pilgrimage to the temple. Talk about being low on the in the caste system. You're like... <laughs> uh, Yikes. I find this fascinating and, and beautiful. The devotees no, I respect rats, but... Another reason to keep the rats safe and happy, according to the temple laws, if one of the rats is accidentally killed, it must be replaced with a rat made of silver or gold. <laughs> oh my! You gotta work for twenty years to like save up to replace this rat. They're devoted, deeply devoted. Dude, speaking, I I, I respect them, but that reminded me of uh, in that book, Power Second Animals, was talking about, you know, how animals they like obviously they predict, you know, they they can tell when like a storm's coming, they can tell when like does that disaster like yes. i'm on i think of something like one little quick thing was talking about uh 
goldfish in Japan, like why they have them on their bowls, because like when they start like getting mm-hmm. frantic in their bowls, that, that they can tell there's like an earthquake coming, and that's a sign for everyone mm-hmm. to get out of the building. But on the rat part, it was talking. I think it was this was in like Brooklyn. It was talking about this happened multiple times at this building where the owner would die or somebody would die in there, and like it, it was like infested with mice and rats. And then like whenever the person would die, all the rats would leave the would leave the building. Like it was visible; mm-hmm. you could see them all like just filing out. And then like the I think it was, and then the person died. And then sure enough, like I don't remember the details, but then they, they would come back in like once it, they, things were settled. But they they can definitely pick up on like the energies and like death and stuff. And just... oh, of course, yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, there's so many things like that, right? Animals before rain, farm animals before rain, horses. Yeah, I'm trying. Man, I wish I could remember all. But yeah, was t- like crab, like crabs, they like, you know, like a tsunami and shit. They like, they like just fucking. They migrate. Uh, yeah, f- yeah, migrate and like. Bir- mm-hmm. I was talking about birds and an earthquake in like Spain. They like fly way out of the off the off the peninsula and then like you yes. know come back afterwards. But well, this comes to my point that I read too. in your book. Yeah, I was just saying horses. They they, they definitely go crazy can predict and a, they're like pens. They and get then, very restless. I remember that when I was little. I grew up with a lot of horses, and and right before a storm, they get real restless. Um. There was this in your in your book, <laughs> this excerpt that I wanted to read uh, by Carl Eric Ficilius, and uh, um, Scholander call for a change in man's attitudes towards the animal kingdom in their closing remarks in their book Smarter Than Man. Even people who understand the doctrine of evolution intellectually have a hard time feeling strongly enough that man is a part of the living earth. Man needs something to shake him to his roots, to impress him deeply with the fact that he does not own the earth. This something which might give man the humility he needs could be a greater knowledge of the other large-brained animals. And I think immediately of dolphins because their brain is like, holy crap, five times (laughs) the size of ours. Yeah, speaking of a dolphin, I remember it was talking about... uh, there's like a certain dolphins. It's been done multiple times, but like in captivity, where like say you know like a fucking Sea World type of thing, like a dolphin c- failed to do a trick or something, and then so they'd like get get a dolphin who's never done it, but you know put it. It was basically saying that how they observe, they can learn through observation, yes. and like a dolphin that's never done the trick just fills in, does the trick that it's been watching mm-hmm. the other dolphins do, and um, you know, I mean, it's, it just. The whole book was talking about, like, at least the beginning of it was talking about, you know, intelligence. And if if animals design tests for intel- intelligence, like, we would fucking probably, fit, like, look, like, laughable. Like, if they would, like, like uh, I've heard this, like, what hunter, when people go, like, what hunter-gatherer people, like, when, like, the white Western pe- people go in and they're like, man, how do you, like, what, if the guy's like, how do you, like, how do you build a shelter? Like, how do you find food here? Like, for intelligence, that's pretty basic intelligence, like, how to survive and like you yeah. know, and we're like, I, I don't even know where to start. But they're like, oh, you, this, you mm-hmm. do this. This tree's for that. You eat this thing, and right. It saddens me that on a whole, animals really do a lot of work to communicate with us, and they're communicating with us all the time. Birds go silent in the woods. They go silent here. We know a predator is around. Um, there's just ways, and that's not even direct communication. But if you're attuned to animal life, and you know that you're not separate from which. Yeah, I like what that was saying about how the intellectual part, like that's, yeah, that's great, but that does detach us from a certain things. Like another example I can think of is it was talking about this family who moved from Ohio to Oregon and then they, they you know, they had a dog with them and then they'd never been to Oregon 
and they, they stopped in like Indiana and they, you know, they stretched their legs, let the dog out and the dog ran away. They could, and after an exhaustive search, they couldn't find the dog. So they're like, all right, let's just keep going. And then they made it to Oregon. And then three months later, the fucking dog showed up at the front door and like, he'd yeah. never been there. Didn't know the route they took, but he fucking, you know, <laughs> knew, picked up on something, knew where they were. Yes. Like, and you know, the whole thing about dogs, animals, knowing when their, an- their owners are on the way. Cause I think there's like a, it's like that whole uh, Rupert Sheldrake, like that morphic resonance field mm. idea where, like, you know, you put out a thought and uh, it's like a, a non-physical. It's like, like It was in the book, The Sense of Being Stared At. Like, you know, like when you're staring at someone, like their back, and, and you, you know, we all have that feeling of knowing when someone's staring at and you look. And sure yes. enough, I'm like eye contact with them. And because the, he was saying, like, you know, your gaze sends something out. Like, you're literally sending something out. Like, when you look at the stars, mm-hmm. you're literally... When like you stare into the void, the void there, stares back at you. Yeah, so yeah. there's some non-physical thing going on. So, you know, when someone's like, I'm going home now, and then, you know, you think of home, that the, the dogs can pick up on that kind of thing. It reminds me of, you remember the movie Homeward Bound when we were kids? I do, but I don't, I don't remember it. It was based on that true story about oh. the dogs finding their way home back um, oh, when, really? they, when, their, when their people moved. That separated? Aw. Yeah. What What is the main, I remember the, I can see the VHS cover. Is that, was there like a beat, like a... You know, it's people? like a golden retriever and two other dogs. There's oh, like a kind of I'm thinking of Fox and the Hound. Uh, oh, Fox and the Those Hound. Those are my favorite movies. <laughs> but but speaking to, still to uh, ability and where your attention goes, energy grows. Where your attention grows or focus goes, energy grows. And that's a huge deal right now, uh, being called upon by with me and with a lot of others that are tuned in to, like I was saying, the energies, the cosmic energies that are coming into this year. Um, I feel ooh, there's a lot of power coming our way and everything's moving so fast, so quickly. Uh, growth and, and just so much movement around us all aligning and, and getting into position and and seeking our roles and and uh, upgrading and and really attuning to what that is, what our role is in this new earth that is being birthed. And so it's not an accident that you were just looking at the bookshelf and then attuned to this book, and then it started this whole. It was the catalyst for this whole journey. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. I don't know what compelled me to. I, I mean, I read that that Pressfield book pretty quick, and then. Well, it's it's a, it's like a yeah, more it's like a, quick a read, booklet, it's yeah, like a toilet kind of book, but. <laughs> but I wanted to ask you. Um, right, you said you're not sure what what pulled you. Yeah, to I just wanted book. to. Honestly, I've been wanting to read a novel lately. I've been. Tr- I have to like find a good novel to read, but just fiction but i don't know when i saw that because i'd, re- I'd mm-hmm. read it before and like didn't really hook me i don't know why but once i got mm-hmm. it into the meat of stuff i was like dude this is fucking crazy dude if you guys ever have book suggestions oh please leave them in the comments that would be delicious i'd love to hear what you guys are are reading or anything that you think that we might resonate with yeah the last novel i really like because when I find it, when I get a book, I read like a novel. Like I, I don't read them often, but when I do, I'm like I just like consume it. Like the last one I read right. was Running the Light by 
Sam Talent. He's a comedian. He's like an amazing writer, but it was just about this like down and out kind of comedian. But it like I, okay. I flew through it. <laughs> right there. Yeah, we saw we saw him open for Tim Dillon. Yeah, I just saw him in a short as well. But yeah, I don't know. It was it was a dude that Pressfield book that Warrior Ethos. You know, just talking about. I know you didn't fully agree with it, but it was just I just remember it was kind of talking about like the stoic nature of a lot of like Spartans and stuff. But it talked about different yes. cultures. But one thing that sticks out that blew me away was how much they could endure like pain and just not showing outward expressions of pain and it was talking about how they didn't feed the kids like they went from like zero to seven they could live with their moms and then seven afterwards they'd go through this crazy spartan training where they like right. live in like they'd have to make their own bed like out of reeds but they couldn't cut it and they they'd have to like sleep on the floor food. yeah they, mm -hmm. they barely fed them and they had to they were supposed to steal food but like not get caught and one kid was a uh, stole a fox and then he got caught midway and he had the fox on him and he like put his jack i don't i don't know if they had jackets back then but his cloak over it mm -hmm. and they're asking him about if he stole it and then the uh the kid was like said no i don't i don't have a fox and then the fox was getting anxious in his in his jacket and then the, he started eating his stomach and then just and the kid was not just showing any signs of it and they kept eating and he's eating said, his belly button yeah and then he just yeah. he bled out after that just from but, right. but just the fucking crazy stoicness of it i find some it. things really fascinating about the spartans and the way that they lived including well beginning with their diet mo mainly consisted of lentils and bull's blood yeah it was like pig bowls pig of it blood meal every day it would be lentils lentils and animal blood mainly bull's blood and then they they lived so minimally and sparsely and the women actually had a lot more rights than any other women of the era in in the the land the surrounding especially the moms especially the mothers they were able to own land which was unheard of they were able to manage their own land manage their own money they weren't um sold off by their fathers they were able to pick their own spouses for themselves they had a lot of freedom especially because the men were always off to war so they had to know that they you know they had to be secure in the home and, uh, and on the land while the men were gone. Yeah, it was talk the you know the famous three hundred. Uh, I it's hard to remember because I think in the book he was talking about he wrote like a fictional thing on the three hundred Thermopylae story, but because he said he got so much feedback from this that he said that uh that when Leonidas would take the three hundred men, he specifically picked ones whose wives were like the sh kind of strongest and like they would, mm -hmm. and the whole ethos of them is like there's like a famous story of like. Uh, like a messenger coming back from war and a mom she met a mom on a path and she's like he was talking to her he's like i have bad news one of your, or bad and good news like one of your sons died in battle or no but two of your sons fled and then uh one oh, i'm butchering it but she was saying like you know one didn't one fled from battle and like you know ran away and she was like that that's not one my son yeah she's like yeah. that's not my son anymore he fucking ran away and then another story is that like how uh two of them were two of her different mom two of them her sons were running back from a battle and then she was like lifted up her dress and she's like this is where you guys belong <laughs> calling them pussies because they're like you guys need to come back in here oh but... my god spartans <laughs> trolling their children that's kind of funny oh, actually because oh. they're such they're like beyond stoicism it's yeah, just it's, intense yeah, the way that they cause live because they're, cause they're a, a warrior cult like 
warriors in a warrior culture because like, most people yes. you know like the marines anything like that now it's like mm-hmm. warriors in a civilian culture like they're talking about like the greeks they were a civilian culture and you're talking about the food aspect. that's what i was getting to yeah the food aspect was um you know they like some one of the kings whatever spartans went to greece and like you know, and so they had this elaborate feast and put all these cakes and fancy stuff together and then and the king the, the spartan guy was messing with like, the ass and like you know give us your best food and then and then, th- then their cooks cook stuff, and it was just gruel, like pig blood meal, and like stuff. And they're like, right. just make it was making a point of like this whole elaborateness, and like you know that you know how soft they were, and but uh, oh, but it creates discipline of the people. I mean, the children were. Yeah, I mean they're a little extreme, but yeah, there's definitely stuff to be taken from that for sure. Like, but I appreciate the the self discipline aspect of all of that. Yeah, really me too. Do. And then having a a regimented diet as well. Just they really believed that the the less material um dependency yeah. that you had the closer you could be to your own warrior ethos like the more that you stay inside of that and they needed that because that was everything that they were so as i mean i feel that it's extremism of course but it's such um fascinating history yeah right i'm not into extremism but but it's fun to learn about those times were really intense in Greece and yeah I don't think I finished my point on the the 300 part and mm-hmm. th- I don't did I say this about how they would specifically pick the ones where the mom the wives were like like happy for them to go and die like if if the women would have like freaked out like no like my you know right, all our men are dying mindset. then that would that right. would ruin the whole society and culture mm-hmm. so they had to specifically pick the ones that were like yes like I'm I want it's yeah. I'm I'm proud that they die in battle and like, they, cause they all knew it was like a suicide mission. But right. I think that ties back into there's, it's been debunked, but there was that myth that they would only keep the strong, the strong infants that were handpicked and then they would throw the, the rest, the weak infants off the side of a cliff. No, they, and that no. just wasn't true. No, I'm pretty sure that I, I just read that and he was talking about that, how true that was. Yeah. I just read that that was actually debunked. Um, I, we can circle back to that another time, see if I can find <laughs> that literature again or that article again that I read that from. Okay. But that, yeah, they were dependent upon the uh, the mindset of the mother and how and how strong she was. And they would pick those offspring of the strongest women to be trained. So all the children lived. It's just that they would pick the 300 or they would pick the the special unit from the the really stoic mothers mm. that were willing to sacrifice their children for the sake of of battle. Yeah, and you know, another f- facet that that was interesting like a great takeaway was like um talking about you know, just how how there's not the, you know, people like in war talk about this how it's there's no other bond like that when you're by your like brothers or sisters and y'all are like, you know, willing to die for each other and like the whole point is to show like, he was talking about one guy got his arm chopped off and then was still, you know, like, he's like, I can't be seen weak by my brothers and still doing stuff to, like, help them out, even though he's, like, you know, f- majorly fucked up. But how that's, like, yeah, it's a weird, because it's kind of brainwashing where you, like, because it, it, it's, because they're all, they're, they're, they're not about the individual. It's about the group. So it's, it's, like, it's not really about whether you survive. It's, like, what can I do to keep the group alive? So it's, like, mm-hmm. this crazy bond. Like, I can't imagine. It's, like, a crazy bond of, like, you know, like, well, it we're, reminds we're in this me together it- and... It reminds me of of parenting moments or mothering moments where I've had to stay or I am in those times of crisis where my mind just goes to a really still place because I need to be 
the buoy in the storm so that and everyone else can stay calm uh, and and detach so that we can focus on you know the task at hand like whenever Izzy had her her low blood sugar uh, seizure seizure last year her blood sugar was 20 and she was seizing and we all just grouped banded together and got her through it and kind of nursed her back to health but I was really shaken by that it's still was something up until recently that I had to work through, not wake up all hours of the night to go check on her and make sure she was okay because that happened at like 2 a.m. one evening. Something we're used to, having to check her blood sugar every two hours. But but yeah, during that, uh, trying to <laughs> trying to keep my cool while my baby was was dying was um, very intense. Yeah, that's what I say this a lot, but I feel like c- calmness is like one of the most overrated attributes. Like because it's one thing you could prepare for everything but if you're freaking out in the moment and like you're letting your body anxiety and your emotions take over like that's that's when you have to like that's when it's the most valuable is like being able to like stay calm and you know mm-hmm. in the fire so true walk through the flames together yeah very overrated yeah and you, you're talking about like all this mom stuff i was like thinking of like reminding me of like mom you know in the call of action when the moms can like flip over cars and shit just to get to their, their babies and stuff. And like, Ooh, there's so many things at, at, at play within that though, this flood and rush of, of, um, endorphins and, and things just to, and just sheer will, right? Like human will is so the human will to live the human will to survive. But even beyond that, I think the human will to thrive in a lot of social climates right now. I'm really proud of everyone thriving and not just in survival mode because there's so much bullshit spinning around <laughs> everywhere, distracting us from from the truth, from our own intuitive truth. Uh, speaking of which, there was one more point that I had uh, with... With the whole uh, reincarnation um, pathway and then also just incarnation. Like, do you remember the indigo indigo children? Yeah, I remember the term. But right. Have you ever been called an indigo child? Yeah. Yeah, me too. My friend Dana, specifically. Uh, I feel like it's like the woo-woo version of like gen z gen x it's like indigo like crystal children like yeah like a gen it's like a generational type of thing like rainbow children right so so i've i've also been called a rainbow child but um and so is izzy she's called a rainbow child quite often but um it was a coin it was a term coined by nancy and uh tap in the 1970s who claimed that she'd been noticing indigo children beginning to be born uh, in an influx in the 1960s. And then it was further developed by Lee Carroll and Jan Tober in their books. Um, but the reason that I'm speaking of this is because lately there's been, because of this autism boom and because of this ADHD boom and ADD boom, um, and and the discovery of HSP through, uh, oh, I'll come back to her name, but. I'm wondering what your opinion is surrounding that. What does HSP define that? Well, I'm definitely a highly sensitive person, right? 
and so are my children. And I don't like labels, but that's the closest that I could come to explaining. Um, and of course, all the traits, we don't resonate with all the traits, but being a highly sensitive individual um, comes with its own perks, but also <laughs> its own trade-offs, especially within having to deal with um, society, the way that it's structured, because it's not structured for us. So my question to you was, how do you feel about the pseudoscience, so to speak, the spiritual nature of that versus the psychological take on that and the labeling through psychology? I do feel that there's like not a defining line between both. I, I think that they all kind of bleed into each other. I definitely Regardless, I definitely don't feel like drugging the ki young kid kids is the is the way to go. Like, just because a kid, whether it's ADHD, whatever, just because a kid can't sit in a desk, I'm like, you fucking drug the kid up. I'm like, that, that's definitely not an answer. But just because you're not fitting into this mold, but precisely. Um. So you what? Yeah. I don't. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, there people are definitely like have different. What's the word? Like. I levels guess, of yeah. stuff like you know like people like just like even pain and pleasure like some people can't feel pain or pleasure that much so you have to like you have to get kicked in the balls to even feel anything <laughs> or like, you got to step on them with a heel to like even feel something so i'm like so yeah. why can't that happen with like you know like other stuff in us you know we all it's all mm -hmm. like you know if we're like a, if we're like in a video game like you know you have like attributes and stuff and like people have like a higher thing at higher points in this and like lower in this and like yes. stuff like that can happen like all over your body like oh of course physically all, mentally right. emotionally energetically mm -hmm. we're all made of the same ingredients but at different uh different percentages yeah, of the same stuff we live in such a mono culture world but to our food mm -hmm. to like how we, we want our people to be and like our you know our school system wants us to be like you know it's all factory training it's like mm -hmm. you know i remember i remember someone bringing it up this made. is this is a lady i'd have to pull, find her name but she was talking about um public schooling and like and because like, i never thought about this specific aspect of bells and how that's like very pavlovian and like you hear a bell like gotta go here and like you got like five so minutes it's like this is your lunch break and mm -hmm. like so yeah i mean and, yeah and the whole thing it's, thing's a, working, it's a worker workers, bell but. yeah yeah it was to create good factory workers out of uneducated rural people like what are the odds that <laughs> your schooling needs to be the exact same amount of hours as a working shift they're like wow yes. what are, like that's the most ideal way to learn i'm like so i think one does bleed into the other is and i do feel that the extremism of psychology and the pseudoscience of of metaphysical or spiritual um fields they i just feel like it, it's this big spectrum from one end of, of an extreme to another and i feel like a lot of it is also environmental that these things are showing up and then also i'd like to bring in there's a you know a lot of factors at play but i'd like to bring in this hysteria this mass hysteria that happens uh with infectious thought and mm. infectious behavior and i feel like a lot of children okay, because of the contagion. birth of social media yeah mental mental contagion contagions and it happens you can see it these flares like 80 years ago it was uh, did which wasn't known as did it was multiple personality disorder there what was one DID? case uh that's the oh geez it's out the window but um, basically, it's multiple personality. Uh -oh. It's a dissociative identi identity oh. disorder. 
um, all these all these acronyms. But about 80 years ago, I believe it was there was a case. It was released to the public, and then all of a sudden, you saw all oh, the spike yeah. in cases. So it was like the anorexia, bulimia, like those were they came in like waves, and like people like you hear yes, one, and then disorders, it's like the same oh thing. Yeah, yeah, it's like the same thing. So um, also, I feel what that are you it's referencing environmental. Today? <laughs> right, it's also environmental because uh, back in the '60s, we did start using um, certain chemicals and pesticides, things like that, introducing things like that into the environment that weren't of uh, in the environment before. Yeah, ever since... I feel like that plays a big factor, Ever too. since... And I've heard this on so many different things, but, like, ever since, like, we the, those bombs were dropped in the 40s, like, things got weird. Like, people... UFO sightings went up. Uh, mm -hmm. And there's so many, like, angles you come from that, whether they're physical things coming to check on us or right, just... Right, so I'm wanting to know what all your these, like, opinion is. And, and you, every chart you look at, I mean, obviously, cor correlation doesn't cause... doesn't mean causation, but, like, there's so many things, like, 50s and on like these charts of like just all these health issues stuff just going up and it's just becoming normal like like uh down syndrome is way more common and like like autism like just health, right. health all this health shit just you know there, there's so many things at play but like honestly i think after the that time things just got really weird and really they like we, we took a, we took a weird turn mm -hmm. and like like we went into a different like a side reality yeah. and like we're like this is a little weird now but yeah, there definitely was a dimensional kind of side. A shift. Yeah, like yeah, a shift. But I think also it had to Mandela do... Mandela-type lateral movement. With many of our women in the country working in factories for the war and exposed to chemicals and radiation and, and things that they... And then the men came home and they became pregnant and gave birth to boomers and gave birth to... Oh, I to think you meant like pregnant men. I was like, <laughs> that whole fucking argument. Well, I think, I think there had something... Dude. That had something to do with it as well, and then all of this kind of craziness was I just ensued saw the, after that. I just saw this video of like they were testing some I don't I think it was an atomic bomb, mm -hmm. and it was like when they were doing like you know it'd be underwater and there's this fucking gigantic explosion, and they were testing what it did to the ships around it, and then um and then there's all these guys I I think they went there afterwards, but all these guys they were like I guess just mop it up, start mopping the boats and shit, and then and uh but their Geiger meters weren't going off, so they thought it was safe, but then they weren't but they weren't testing like plutonium or something and mm -hmm. they said they pulled it like you know pulled out a fish from the from the ocean and it was so irradiated with plutonium i think it was plutonium right. that it was like flopping around and it took its own x-ray it's called that's called like a self right, i remember that yeah. i can't remember i'll put it right here mm -hmm. but there's a term for it that and there's the picture of the x-ray but it's like weird but it was so fucking contaminated that yeah. And, th and those people are just fucking mopping and, who, you know, they went right. home and, like, you know, had kids and right. who knows what that does or cellular DNA and stuff. Yes. So, uh, so there's all these factors at play. But yeah. I do feel that nowadays, of course, there are real and very, you know, very real and acute um, uh, mental disorders, right? But I do feel that this whole spectrum has gotten way out of hand and and also that the conventional foods and and the lack of a really rich microbiome in the gut for kids nowadays plus yeah. social media contamination as well especially with you know the other movements that are happening that are really uh mutilating our, our children's bodies and minds
Would you say it's uh, purposeful, or is this purely coincidental? Yes, <laughs> I'm sure there's some things that aren't, but I mean, there's de- I mean, there's people who are making money off of it, and if there's if there's if yeah. they find a way to make money off of it, then then it will be written into law, and then they'll be protected, and then they get to push. Like a petroleum company would sure try to you know you got all this waste, so let's try to resell it and package it nice, and you know just so many things like that of just. AKA social media. I mean, like they're designed. Phones yeah. are designed to be used, so they're designed to hook our attention mm-hmm. and, you know, get us addicted to them. So it's like, it, and who knows all these other it, it, that the food is addicting yeah. and it doesn't nourish you, and it's like you're hungry thirty minutes, empty calories. Well, and it's very challenging with having like, teenagers in this day and age. I have two daughters that uh, I won't say have been untouched by, by that um, contagion. Yeah, that's impossible. But I knew it was a phase, and and just to let them phase out of their experience with themselves, but to give them ample knowledge and love and and kind of space to play with that. But but even but even the girls weren't uh, untouchable. I know because when I think about my diet when I was a kid growing up in the nineties, like like how many fucking frozen TV dinners I ate, like how many I don't know. Honestly, I don't know when the first organic food I ate was in my life. Who know? And I can tell that's really? why. That's I can tell that's why. Like I'm like, I feel like that's why I'm so light bone. I, it's also like an Asian thing, but like I feel like my bones are light. Like I'm like bird bone, but I've never yeah. broken a bone in my life though. But I, I just feel like a. And when I see certain kids that are like, like my niece, you know, certain kids that are just like they look gray. Like you're like you're not you're not I've exuberant. The you, you don't. Uh, yeah, you don't, it's you really don't disturbing. Exude gray like people. light and energy, and it's just. Uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Then you see her diet, and she remember she, she came over and brought like graham crackers, pizza, all wheat and, products, like, cr- chips, or yeah, and it was all like the same. It was all the same. It was just and wheat, Caesar, the same thing. Little Caesars pizza. Yeah, and it was all and like I remember you're, you're like this. It's is, all variations this is, of the same <laughs> yeah. food. Yeah, and and, she, that, and she had an aversion to eating anything. Not a lot of that happens. Believe this. A lot of that happens because of uh, formula-fed babies. Yeah. Uh, so they all, it's really interesting. I kind of did a study like this with my friend's children and noticing that the kids that only wanted to eat cups of mac and cheese and only wanted Mm -hmm. to eat bread and were just like stuck on this grain addiction, they were all formula fed. And so just paying attention to that. Dude, another thing, I remember hearing this about kids eating baby i think it starts young but babies kids eating like mush like just mushy food like yeah. that it correlates to like we get weak jaws and then mm-hmm. that's what makes all our teeth crooked and like mm-hmm. f- just starting young you don't use it and so your teeth just i don't know like you're not developing anything and like i'm right. thinking that was interesting but but obviously it's dangerous it's dangerous for a kid to eat like a raw carrot or something but if you just no I, but you can give them a you know it's something dried and hard uh it's again a grain but i remember my mom used to give us these these big dried toast rectangles <laughs> i can't recall like the name of them right now but it's like a giant crouton mm. and we would oh, heat so on those oh. and then they would but they would dissolve so it was pretty safe you, nope. you couldn't chew you know like bite off big bits because you didn't have many teeth so. do, they ma- do they do they make teething rings and stuff for humans i know they do for like puppies and shit but is, is that a, i guess is that a thing like yeah yeah, and you can freeze them, and mm. they made, they're made out of silicone and various other man-made materials. Yay! Yeah, I don't know. So, I, I don't want to be all doom and gloom, but no, you know that, that whole s- that whole saying of trying to be a healthy fish in a polluted river—that's what it feels like. Because like everywhere you go, there's like chemicals, there's like bad shit, there's like 
Just yes. like, you know, when you go to a store, like the health, even stuff in the health section isn't healthy, but like how there's like one tiny section that says healthy, you know, health foods. And then like, then like, what the hell is the rest of the store? It's like, mm. like it's, it's mind boggling almost. Yes. I do notice that whenever I start eating too much uh, conventional goodies, you know, I, I freaking love pizza, you guys. Okay. And though I love to make my own pizza, sometimes you just want a pizza and I lay in bed and, and watch a movie with a pizza. Like, okay, I'm not saying that I don't have those moments too, right? Yeah. But whenever that's the the standard, uh, standard yeah, I get I just get kind of concerned for everyone. So it's I'm not being doom and gloom. I'm just like I wanted your yeah, opinion, like and then and then also just to bring uh, some conversation to the public to to get opinion and perspective. But these are just things that I notice and things that I really care about and I'm yeah, concerned about with people because yeah. of the the evolution that's taking place globally. You know, we are ushering into this new earth. Things are changing. Um, the the old paradigm and way of of being and living and learning and uh, is is shifting, and uh, it's really. It's really beautiful to be a witness, to be a watcher in all of it. But uh, I hope so. But I, all I see is obesity rates rising and stuff. So it's like you know, like the evolution chart of like you know of man, and it like goes, and then the next guy's like a fat guy, and like I don't know. It's like I, I hope so, but it it feels like it feels like the ones that are like that are are it's more meaningful, and then like the ones and there might be, you know it's not it's I don't know I don't know if it's going to be a majority type of thing. So I don't know like yeah. what. Have you noticed another thing I've been noticing is all of the uh, revealing that's happening with the water, all the receding waters and and revealing um, ancient towns and and civilizations and strange formations under the water, strange shapes, like almost like what would you call that, like geigometric shapes, you know, like um, like a soundboard almost underneath a, a dried lake where it looks like a grid and it's been cr- you know like created by sound kind of like sacred geometry well I'd and then and then i would love to speak to the eye of the sahara that you shared with me because Lu- new lemuria has been a huge message for me lately that we're heading into new lemuria um well speaking on the water i, I people always, i thought always thought people say like ocean levels are rising but i have heard people you know like graham hancock does he's like a certified crazy scuba diver because he, he was mm-hmm. crazy interested in like off the coast of stuff and like trying to find structures like stuff that looks like stairs or like a lot of like square things and stuff but but you're talking about receding water i remember in <laughs> in the summer when i think it's lake need in nevada like that the, mm-hmm. the lake like totally dried up and they yeah. found like so many dead bodies in there from like yeah. you know, outside of vegas the mafia there's like bodies and barrels and stuff in there it's like this old, you know, guns and shit. People oh, just dumping bodies in there. But <laughs> so I'm like, yeah. But uh, but yeah. I don't know. I don't know too much about the eye of this. I can't remember the name. It's like starts with an R. I'll put it right here. But there, mm-hmm. it's a. Uh, yeah, it's like this natural formation, I and mean, people say it's like some magma of natural formation and stuff. But I mean, when you hear depictions of Atlantis like that, it yes. talks about concentric circles and water, and it's in the middle of the desert, and, and there's all like this it. salt left over there, yeah. and like. And some um, images that I noticed of the, uh, it almost looked like a blue 
watery turquoise electricity coming out of the center and then spreading to the to the concentric circles outwardly and you know of course that's probably doctored and and enhanced but i mean i just kept seeing this blue electricity in that in that eye yeah i heard some guy talking about it is how because it's so hard to study there because it's like like in the middle of nowhere and there's like no transportation no like uh not foundation, just mm-hmm. just nowhere to like how to even get there and like how to like yeah. camp and stuff. It's like very very remote, but it's it's very interesting. I read that they were drowned because they had taken that the the mythology is that they had taken the the knowledge of the gods without permission, and so they were flooded and sunk because they were using technologies that weren't meant for them that they didn't have permission to use. Permission. Wow. A lot of a lot of uh, readers and channelers are speaking to this new technology that's rising this year and coming back into the world that we're all rediscovering um, ancient technologies that are going to replace this this old paradigm of um, mechanisms and and constructs that of time and and machinery that we have now through through sound and and water and all of these ancient knowledges and wisdoms. Well, I've heard people talking about these like UFO sightings and stuff that, you know, once the government acknowledged it, that's when I was like, I don't know, I don't know, I don't really believe them anymore. But, you know, this technology, because like, I remember one where the, there's like no heat signatures on them. Like they, so they suspect that they move through like, uh, and what is that guy, Stephen Greer? He like worked at Area 51. He talks about like, it's like a gravity propulsion bending kind of thing instead of like, you know, a rocket being pushed, which is very rudimentary, like mm-hmm. put a lot of fuel and just push it versus like something that like sucks in gravity or space time and moves and stuff. But yeah. I don't know, like, you know, but yeah, when you see certain a- ancient structures and like, like we struggle to make it today. So it's like, yeah. there's definitely like lost technology and stuff like that. But there's, I remember, I think he died, but there was this old guy in Florida who, claims that he he knew how the the egyptians and stonehenge were built and he said it was like through sound but and he he had uh, i'll try to put pictures up but there was like a it wasn't like a disney world but he had like you could go visit these things that he said mm-hmm. he built all by himself and like when you look at it it's like kind of like wow like how how did this old frail man do this but but he, he claims it's just from old old technology yeah so de stefano that's what he was speaking on in in the interview with aubrey I understand. And when I hear DeStefano, I keep thinking of the, I think of the comedian Chris DeStefano. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm trying to think of this guy being all like serious. But it's Mateus, and, and he's all New Yorker guy. Yeah, he's he's a really, really beautiful human from what I've seen so far. But uh, go check him out on the. Uh, I've seen him on a few different people's podcasts, but but the interview with Aubrey Marcus, I'm only halfway through, but it's pretty fascinating. What he has to say, I've saved a couple of other videos of his too. How to how to tap into and live your highest purpose. Do you have in any? We're over an hour, but do you have any um, final? Just trying to circle back to like, you know, our psychic. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't even know. I don't even like that word because it's got so much dogma behind it, but just uh, stigma behind it. But you know, just for people to how to increase your own, um, a bit, you know supernatural abilities which supernatural in itself sounds like 
It sounds great. It's like natural and it's super, but it's our innate abilities that have been trained out of us through an indoctrination, just like a re-education. So I do. I wanted to just do little experiments in your life. Like, you know, like we did with the card stuff, like just just try it, like just see, you know. But when it comes to just honing basic intuition, you know, your your gut feeling, your um, asking yourself, tapping into your your higher self and your inner truth. Intuition is basically just following your personal truth, whatever rings true to you. If it feels like truth and you feel really hmm, calm and resonant and um, follow that thread, if you feel excited by it, but it's not, you know, um, an imbalanced excitement, but it actually turns you up, it turns you on. That's following your intuition. I like to ask yes or no questions, too, just to hone it, just to hone. Um, Does this feel like truth in my body? Does this not feel like truth in my body? So I I think... mm -hmm. Can I tell you one time? I specifically remember not... One of the few times... I remember going against my gut feeling, and it ended disastrously. (laughs) Yes. This was when I was like living in my car, sort of. It was in Taos, and I was with this girl... And I didn't know this prior, but, you know, going in, she was like, hey, can I, you know, we're like hanging out. And, and she was like, uh, hey, can I borrow $300? Like, I need to go. I don't remember what her story was, but she's like, I, I, I need to get, I think she's trying, I think she told me she was going to like get some shrooms or weed and sell it and like make $600 and she was going to give me my 300 back like immediately. And I was, I remember thinking, I was like, I, get, I don't know, man. And I, remember, cause I, and I think I was like with her in her car. Yeah. So I was like, I was like, I guess. And then she pulled in this like, you know, shady little apartment there and mm. gave her $300. And, uh, you know, and then I was, then she's like, all right, I'll come back later. And then I remember I was like, all right. So I just, I was like, walking in like the main town, little center area and it started snowing. And I was like, oh, shit, I got to go into this coffee shop. And then she called me later and like to pick her up. And she was, I don't even know how the fuck she was driving. Was you pick me up? She was just like nodding out and just like. <laughs> just and I was like, and then turned out she was just just used the three hundred just to buy heroin and do it, and I was just like, and I was like, I was like, do I where's my do I do I, like where's my money at? And she's like, man, you know, just it was gone, and, gone. I, and but I remember the whole time going into it, I was like, I don't know about this man, and then and I, you know I was being nice, I think I was kind of like in a you know I wasn't I was like in her with her, so I was just like okay whatever, and then I was like it, it just ended. You betrayed your own boundaries. Yeah, it was. It was <laughs> yeah, you betrayed your own boundaries in that. Well, it was, but it was a good. I'm glad I did. Uh, sure, it cost mm-hmm. me three hundred dollars, but it was a great uh, muscle memory, intuition yeah. memory, learning thing. Where I'm like, oh, w- yeah. when I had that feeling, don't again, don't ignore that. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. That's a very good point. Uh, that was my takeaway. I, yeah, I try, don't ignore the experience. confirmations either. Follow the breadcrumbs uh, and the confirmations in life. So whatever feels affirming, it feels really good to you to do, feels really good for you to follow, don't question it. Just go with it. If it's not harmful, if it's something creative, if it's something that resonates with you deeply, and, and it doesn't matter what it is, if it's uh, anything creative, anything that lights you up, right now is definitely the time to tap into that because there's a bigger energy um that's coming in the spring uh because uh, we are ushering out of saturn and um 
that ruling kind of controlling central domination sort of energy into eruptive, explosive, fast uh, Uranus, which is Aquarian energy. We're in this Aquarian age again for the next 20 years. And so it's all, it's very uh, highly intellectual, very heady, very cosmic, very, you know, galactic uh, connection, very um, intuitive and rational and logical. But if we, if we take all of that energy and we add heart, Remember to to add heart to that. We're going to find this harmony in this year and all of this, these beautiful, delicious alignments coming. So right now would be the time to start just looking into what your innate gifts are, I would say, as far as psychic ability and what your extrasensorial um, heightened awareness is, where that where that is. And just and just devouring any material that that it calls to you, and heed the call. Heed the call. Yeah, it's like if not now, then when? You know, if you've got some something you've been wanting to do for a while, or you just like like uh, you know, I don't really have time, or don't want to put the energy for. Like just starting this podcast is like so much like <laughs> s- small things that go into it, and like, but it, you know, it's worth doing, and like, you know, we'll get better as we do it. I feel like. You guys tell us. I feel like this this was be- each time we do it, it gets better. Like honestly, putting out episode zero versus like after we did the, you know the first and then this one. Each time I feel like it's like better. So like who know, you know obviously there'll be some stinkers, but I feel like I don't know. I feel like we get better each time already. Like let alone like episode fifty or hundred. I think yeah, the natural progression. We are just destined towards getting better because we're putting in the work and we're putting in the focus. Um, right. Yeah. That's a I'm good. Like, yeah. Hmm. Oh, it's I feel like it's a good time to wrap up. I, it's dark out now. I gotta put my <laughs> put the bird lock the birds on, put the turkey up. But dude, like last night we saw this. I saw I pulled in and my my headlights saw this possum just run across the yard, and then so I you know, went to investigate and he was like on the fence right next to our coop, and then so I was like I I just tried to like spook him. So I was like I had like a log on the ground, like a stick, a pretty thick stick, and I was just chunking it at him. And then, like, uh, and he was like, then you climbed the tree, and I was throwing more stuff at him. And then I was like, oh, shit, I think I, I'm like, I'm so good. I think I killed him because he was just sitting in the, hanging in the branches like this. And I was like, damn, dude, I killed him. And then, like, we, we see him breathe, and I'm like, oh, yeah, it's, he's fucking playing dead. And then you know, I had to get my a stick and poke them, and he, like, fell out, but came back alive. But it was, it was, uh, interesting to see. But all right, any, uh, anything you want to? Any closing words? I wanted to plug, uh, Speaking of avenues of abilities and channeling and um, calling for intuitive answers and such, this was a gift from me, from an old dear sister friend of mine, uh, from Taylor Ellis. He's the artist who created our... Big T. Big T. He created our um, logo for the last two bus- two businesses, actually. But the, the art is exceptional. And... Um, Go give him go give him a look. He has ebooks and all sorts of beautiful grand things of offerings for you guys. Thank Already you for tuning fam, in and tuning fam, up. Said that earlier. Yeah, fridge fringe family. I really appreciate you. Love from the fringe yeah, people. Thank you for Love you. joining us. Love from go. the fringe. <laughs> mm-hmm.